Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. All right, Hope, how are we doing? I hope you are recovering nicely from Thanksgiving. Again, it's an honor to be, uh, be with you again. Uh, one of my first jobs out of college was with a large paper company. Now, they were involved in things other than just paper. Uh, the plant that I worked with uh, also made press board, press board, and I worked quality control uh, for a plant that made medium density fiberboard, MDF. If you've ever, if you've ever bought any ready to assemble furniture, if you've ever bought any ready to assemble furniture and you tried to put it together with a loved one, and it nearly led to blows, you're welcome. That's what my plant was making. Now, uh, the, the plant ran 24-7, so it required rotating shifts. And on my first swing on third shift, that's when it got interesting because apparently moving metal parts along with lots of dust can be highly flammable. Now, the plant was in the middle of nowhere, so we were the they. There was nobody showing up to help, so if anything went wrong, we, we had to deal with it. And that's when the call came out. The call came out to shut down the line and to have everybody come out back. Now, I'm new, and I don't have a clue what's going on. So I show up out in the back, and I look up, and the back of the production line is engulfed in flames. The whole thing is on fire. Water is starting to fly because people seem like they know what they're doing, but me, I'm wide-eyed. I'm wide-eyed, and in that moment, I'm standing there in the cold, ankle-deep, and now this watery sludge that's forming, and I have a thought. I have a thought. It's more of a question. What am I doing here? This was never part of my plan. This was never one of the hopes and the dreams and the goals and the desires. Have you ever found yourself in a place? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were wondering, how has it come to this? How has it come to this? How did I get here? And maybe it was not related to your job. Maybe it was a family situation. The marriage that you dreamed of and how that was going to play out. And now you find yourself in a mess and you're like, ugh. This wasn't the plan. And maybe the marriage is moving and tracking in the right direction, but then you've had these children, and you thought that seemed like a good idea at the time, but now you're looking at it, and it's like, oh, man, this is so challenging. This is so stressful. This is so much more than I thought we were signing up for. And so today we're wrapping up this series on the family that we have been calling from start to finish and we've looked at some foundational truths about the family life. Ben's done a great job giving us some insights about marriage and about parenting. 
But today we're going to open up a big can of worms and we're going to touch on some complex and some challenging issues. In fact, we're not going to be able to clean it all up today because there's so many nuances and there's so many contingencies related to this topic and it's likely that many of us are going to need time to process what we're going to hear about today and and that's okay. Because as your church family, we want to be a part of walking alongside you, even through this aspect of our life. And then my guess is this, when we think about family, when we think about family, my guess is that many of you planned or are planning to get married. My guess is that many of you planned or are planning on having children. But here's one thing that I am quite sure you have not planned on. And that's getting old. That is not something that we go to our planner and try to figure out. Okay, at this point, at this month, at this season, on this day, then all of a sudden, old. We just don't think about it. We just don't plan to get old. But it creeps in on us. And you need to to know and be aware because I want to help you here. But there's indicators that it's happening to you. There's indicators that are happening Uh, to you that should let you know that you are moving in an orderly direction. And here's an indicator. Here's one indicator that I discovered recently. It's it's this. You go to sleep and you feel perfectly healthy. You feel really good. And then you wake up with a significant injury. How, how does that happen? This happened to me recently. It was just a handful of months ago. I went to bed perfectly fine, and I woke up convinced that I had a torn rotator cuff. How does that even happen? This is an indicator that you're moving towards uh, an orderly direction. And then conversation with your group of friends begins to change. And it's subtle. It's subtle, but if you pay attention, you'll start seeing some things that will indicate that you're moving in an orderly direction. When the conversation starts to include things about pills and procedures, it's an indicator moving in an older direction. And somewhere along the way, as you old, noise begins to become an issue. And, and maybe you don't say it out loud because you feel like you're still young enough, but you're too embarrassed to say it. But what's going on in your head is, Is it going to be this loud the whole time? That's an indicator that you're moving in an older direction. And then there's this other one. And it doesn't matter who's talking. And it doesn't matter what they say. But your first response to no matter what is said is, Huh? Or what? It's just an indicator. You need to be aware of these indicators because they let you know that you are moving in an older direction. And as we age, we begin to understand, actually we begin to understand the assessment of Moses. Moses did a lot of writing for the Old Testament. And and, and in this, he writes this in Psalm 90, verse 10. He says, the years of life are 70. And even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Like, okay, Moses, we get it. We get it. Life is short and difficult. You got life, you got problems. 
In his book, Being Mortal, Atu Gawande points, he points to the perspective of two different people that are aging. And the first one says it this way. He says that old age is a continuous series of losses. Now think about that. As you get older, you're losing some independence. You're losing some freedom. You're losing some mobility. You're losing friends. So that's the way he described it, this continuous series of losses. The second guy that he cites puts it even more harshly. He says that old age is not a battle. He says that old age is a massacre. It's a massacre. And so I'm like tapping the brakes here like, what's going on? Why is getting older so challenging? Why is getting older so challenging? And I would say even at times, why is it frightening? The writer Paul David Tripp clears this up for us. When he writes, he says, everywhere you look horizontally, Everywhere that you look horizontally has been affected by the fall in some way. And when he's talking about the fall, he's not talking about the season and leaves and stuff. He's talking about when sin entered the world. He's talking about when sin entered the world and touched and tainted and affected everything. It mired it. It broke it. He says every horizontal thing, this side of eternity, is in the process The process of decay. And I know you're thinking, wow, this is super encouraging. And and I get that. And it's not pleasant, but it's reality. It's not comfortable, but it's our reality. Everything that we face, everything that we experience is broken and tainted. Because of sin. And the problem with that is the ultimate end of sin is death. And now like, whoa, 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 whoa. See, as Americans, even the thought of death is unnerving. We backpedal quickly because we don't even like the conversation. It causes us great angst and discomfort. So we try to avoid these. But at Hope, it is our desire to strengthen the core of families not just during the exciting beginning so that they can thrive, and not even from the messy middle while they're struggling to, you know, make some traction, but actually, actually, we want families to thrive from start to finish in every step of the process, in every step along the way. But in the process of decay that Tripp was talking about, This process of decay that we're living in, how do we finish well? How do we finish well? So today we're going to start a look towards finishing, the look towards the end. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it and meet me in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As we look toward the finish today, I want to offer it to you from a unique perspective. I want to offer it to you from a unique perspective. And the perspective that I want to offer it to offer it to you from is this place that I and now many people, many people are finding themselves in. We are called the sandwich generation, the sandwich generation, because we are in between developing kids on one side and declining parents on another. We have developing kids on one side. We're launching them into their lives. And while at the same time, we're interacting with our parents who are declining and dealing with significant significant health issues. So here's what that looks like for me. So you can understand what this looks like. 
what I mean by a sandwich generation. In April, I got a message that my mom, my 83-year-old mom, had taken a fall. And ultimately, this greatly impacted her mobility and created some care challenges. And then you fast forward in our family a couple of months, my middle son got married. And so we're celebrating and sending him at the same time that we're dealing with significant health mobility issues with my mom. And it's in between these two spots that I'm living, between developing on one way and on declining in the other. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, listen, listen. Emotions are high in both directions. Emotions are high in both directions and require lots of adjustments. And what I am learning that in this middle space, that I have responsibilities in two different directions. And what I don't want you to hear from me today is this. I don't want you to hear me grumbling and complaining in two directions. Like if my kids would only listen to me and do what I say. If my parents would only listen to me and if they would do what I would say. I don't want you to hear me mumbling and grumbling in two directions of how if anybody would just listen to me, they would get this straight. But what I want us from this space that I'm talking about is learning what our responsibilities are and how we can rise up and meet those responsibilities so that we can finish our race well, so that we can finish well. Follow along as I I read these verses from Ephesians Chapter 6, beginning with verse 2, this is what it says. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now there's a lot here. But I believe that Paul brings out, I see at least two responsibilities that God has for us in these verses. And so let's jump right in. The The first responsibility that he has for us is this. God wants me to honor my parents. God wants me to honor my parents. And then when we read that in our culture, we're thinking, honor, what does that even mean? That sounds extremely demanding and frustratingly vague. Honor. When Paul is... Is, is mentioning this, he's reaching all the way back to the Old Testament. He's reaching back specifically to the Ten Commandments, and he zooms it in even tighter to the Fifth Commandment. In Hebrew, to honor meant something more than the respectful recognition of a parent's existence. So it's more than, hey, what's up? It's more than that. It's the recognition of and the submission to their authority. But it, it even goes further than that. It's a loving provision for their needs. See, honor has to do with attitude. The right attitude behind the right act of obedience is honor. And it's through both action and attitude, through action and attitude that the Israelite, the Israelite was expected to give their utmost respect to their mom and dad. This is what he's citing when he's going to the fifth commandment. So honor means to value highly. 
means to value highly, to hold someone in the highest regard, to respect, to show consideration, to show love. And here's the tricky thing about this, that this is a lifelong responsibility. This is not something that you outgrow. Honoring is not temporary, but it does look different as we age. If you were to pull back to verse 1 in the text that we read today, it says when you're young, it looks like honoring looks like obedience. Children, obey your parents. When you obey, you're honoring. But then when you get older and you move out of the house, that changes. It changes the way we respect, the way we serve. It's different. It's different. But I want you to get this. We can't zoom past this. This is such a big deal to God. This is a big deal to God. In, in the book of Leviticus, when it is mentioned, look at, look, look at the context. Let me just show you. Leviticus 19 in verse 2. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel. This is God speaking to Moses. And say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So there's this expectation of holiness. The holiness of God, you are to be holy, you are to strive after holiness. But then look at the very next verse, right after this holiness. Every one of you shall revere his mother and father. See, in that culture and in that time, parents were seen as representing God to their children. How we view our parents is how we view God. Our holiness is on display by our honoring. Or maybe our unholiness is on display by our lack of honoring. And Paul says this, coming back to Ephesians. This is the first commandment with a promise. There is motivation to do this. He says in verse 3, that it may go well with you. That it may go well with you. This relates to quality of life. And then he says that you may enjoy long life. And this relates to the quantity of life. So you have quality of life, quantity of life. But we need to understand here that this is a principle, not a promise. Just because you do the right things the right way doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the right result. This is a principle, not a promise. But again, this is super important to God. So much so, so much so that if a child physically or verbally abused their parent, that it was considered a capital offense. Now, come on. We don't even have a bucket for that. We don't even have a bucket for that. And if we are honest, if we were to pause right here where we are, our tendency would be to turn an eye of scrutiny towards our parents and judge, listen, if they're even honorable. Because there is no doubt. There is no doubt. Some of you, you had a rough childhood. There is no doubt that some of you had to experience home life where your parents were anything but honorable. And it was difficult. It was hard. But we need to be careful here. We need to be careful because what Paul is trying to get us to understand here is that extending honor to our parents derives from their position. And this is tough. Not their behavior. We are, we are called to honor the God-given position, not their, at times, 
ungodly behavior. You see, we have a responsibility and not a guarantee. Our responsibility is around that which we can control. We control our actions and our attitude and our ability to honor. We can't control how they're going to respond. It's not easy. It's not easy. I have a buddy, and his dad is, is getting older. He's struggling with some short-term memory issues. And, and he's trying to figure out, well, how do I honor my dad in this season and in this place? And he made a commitment to show up to his dad and read a chapter of the Bible to him. And he'll leave some spaces and some blanks so his dad can interact and, and fill in some of the blanks and some of the gaps. And then they read more and they read more. And he has made the decision. This is how I'm choosing to honor my dad. But he said to me, he's like, Clay, I know I have a responsibility to honor my dad. But I have no guarantee that he'll ever remember that that time that we had together. We have a responsibility but not a guarantee. And in fact, for those of us that are in this middle space... Maybe our question should not be whether our parents are honorable, but perhaps the better question should be, am I making it easy? Am I making it easy for my kids to honor me? Am I living an honorable life? The first expectation is this, that God wants me to honor my parents. God wants me to honor my parents. The second expectation is this. We see it in verse 4. God does not want me to provoke my children. You know, there's some things in life you think you just might outgrow. But in my experience, <laughs> parents never reach a point where provoking their children is not a live option. Some parents, if we're honest, come on. If we're honest, they know exactly how to push our buttons. And it seems like at times that they really enjoy it. But Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, fathers. Now, the language can include mothers. But I'm wondering if Paul is really bringing attention and focus on the dad, on the father in this role, in his role in the family here. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Another word there, I love this word, don't exasperate. Isn't that a great word? Don't exasperate your children. It suggests that this, this repeated ongoing behavior or treatment that builds up into this deep-seated anger that overflows and eventually it just spews out. And maybe you're thinking as a parent, Maybe you're thinking, so you're telling me, Clay, if I don't provoke my child, then they will turn out great. Uh, no. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you have a responsibility but not a guarantee. This is a principle, not a promise. We have a responsibility and not a guarantee. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest in front of you guys. I mean, because of the condition of my heart, remember... Everything that we, we experience has been affected by the fall, by sin entering the world and tainting everything. I struggle with this. I struggle with this issue of being self-centered and self-absorbed, of fighting for my way and my will to be done, even if it means running over and mistreating people. 
And so when I do that, when I'm selfish and self-centered, it, suddenly my actions are not that honorable. My, my words become sarcastic. My attitude is not that helpful. My, my treatment toward my kids is I'm putting unrealistic expectations on them that can only frustrate them. I show up with a critical and negative spirit as if you can never do anything wrong. And that's not helpful. And Paul's like, don't do that. Don't do that. But bring them up, nourish them, feed them in the discipline, which is systematic training. Have a plan, have a thought, be intentional. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Instruction, put into mind. The idea here is to bring the heart of the child to the heart of their Savior. And for all of us, all of us, this is what we call discipleship. This is what it is to be a learner. We are trying to learn and follow what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus Christ. We are striving together to move towards Christ's likeness. And what this requires of us is that we would deny ourselves, take up our cross daily. And in my experience, this is rarely, this is rarely smooth. And maybe you walked in today. And if you had to describe your family dynamic, and we've been in this family series and and you've been coming and you're trying to figure it out. But if you had to describe your family's dynamic, you would say, man, it's a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire. You should have been at our house on Thursday. Thanksgiving. Hey, and we get to group up again next month and do it for Christmas. Ooh, we can't wait. But I have a word for you. I have a word for you. You come in and your family right now, the best you can say, it's a dumpster fire. It's a hot, hot mess. What I want you to hear is this, that families can change. Families can change. You're not at the end yet. There is hope. And what if we begin to embrace the responsibilities that are before us? What if we begin to own the things that depend on us and realize that that's okay, that they're not guarantees, but we still have these responsibilities? What if we showed up and we fought against sin and temptation? And what if we, we fought for relationships and determined as much as it depends on us, we're not giving up. We're not giving up because ultimately we can have a hope for finishing strong in the future because of what Jesus has done for us in the past. We have hope for the future because of what Jesus has done for us in the past. His death, his resurrection as a selfless sacrifice has redeemed us. It it paid a price that we could never afford to pay. And he justified us. He declared us not guilty even though we were guilty, dead to right. But he redeemed us. He justified us, thus freeing us from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus is a finisher. And because of the work of Jesus as a finisher, we have the opportunity and the hope to be finishers as well. But before we finish, before we finish, we have we have some responsibilities. We talked about two today. First one is we have to honor our parents. The second is not provoke our children. We have responsibilities, but not a guarantee. And for me, as I'm trying to understand the responsibilities that are before me, how, how do I, as I age, how do I serve my family 
by honoring and not provoking. I have a couple of tips for you. A couple of tips. We honor by helping. We honor by helping. For us, we have this responsibility to honor our parents to ensure, as much as it depends on us, that they feel safe and that they feel cared for. And what does that look like? I think for us, what it means is that we pray and that we show up and that we serve. We pray, we show up, and we serve. We pray, we show up, and we serve. We go to them. We meet them where they are. We move at their pace, in their place, which demands and requires of us patience. But in that place, and you feel like you're losing patience, come on, guys. I want you to just pause in that and just imagine. Put yourselves in the shoes of an 80-year-old whose body is failing in whose mind is slipping. They don't want to be in that place either. And when you look at your your 22-year-old and you're wondering, are they ever going to get it together? Put yourselves in the shoes of your 22-year-old who's trying to navigate a culture with challenges that we have never seen before. They are going through and wrestling with fears and doubts that are new and different. This, is, this requires grace in every direction. Now listen, some of you need to hear this too. I, I'm not saying that you don't set boundaries for yourselves and, and take care of yourselves because you need to serve from a place of good health. But what I am saying is that grace is needed in every direction because this is new and challenging for everyone involved. You see, it's not just those of us in the middle that are aging. We're all aging at the same time. But what if we followed Paul's advice that he gave to the believers in Rome when he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. What if that was our mindset? The second tip. We do not provoke by by preparing. We don't provoke by preparing. Now, this is challenging for a lot of us as Americans because what this is calling us to do is to plan now, to have hard conversations about hard topics now. What do you want your end of life to look like? Do you have your will? And all of these things taken care of so that the the children and the siblings all are getting along down the stretch because I know that that you don't want that. You can provoke your children by setting them up for A massive fight. But if we prepare now, we can bring unity. We can make decisions now that reduce stress on us and on our children later. What if instead of provoking, we followed the counsel of David when he says this, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace. Seek peace and pursue it. So in both directions, for my parents and my children, I, I, I remind myself of my responsibilities with one question. And I've been asking myself this question for a number of years now. And maybe you'll find it helpful as well. But the question that I ask is this, do I love them more than I hate where they're at?
when I see my parents and they're struggling with health issues and, and uh, mobility issues and that. I, I just don't like that situation. I don't like that situation, but I love them, so I show up and I serve. When I see my children and they're struggling and they're wrestling with issues, I, I don't want to judge. I want to show up and I want to be a helper. Do I love them more than I hate where they're at? Because I realize I have a responsibility and not a guarantee. And I know this. Is any of this easy? No. No, it's not easy. But there was never any guarantee that it was going to be easy anyway. We have a responsibility. Now, now, we can't control all the circumstances and outcomes, though we wish we could. We wish we could. In fact, we're often surprised by some of the circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. How did I get here? Or what am I doing here? Or I never expected to get this old anyway. But let me leave you. Let me leave you with this. When it comes to the control issue, hear the words of Paul David Tripp. When he says, remember what is out of your control What is out of your control exists under the careful control of the one who is all-knowing, all-wise, and all-good. That's the God that I want to point you to. That's the God that I want to point you to who is bigger and greater and more powerful than all your problems and all your challenges. He is a good God who has prepared you and placed you to serve right where you are right now. This is the one. This is the one that you can trust with your aging parents. This is the one that you can trust with your kids. And you know what? This is the one. This is the one that you can trust with your race as well. He is faithful and he will be with you all the way to the finish. As we close today, I want you to hear Martha's story of how she is striving to finish well by honoring and not provoking. I think there is no way that anybody can fully prepare logistically for a major transition like what just occurred in my life. Just a couple months ago, my father had a precipitous event where he was very short of breath and had crushing chest pain and told me he was on the way to the emergency room. Long story short, um, my dad did survive the immediate event, but it was found out that he he would not survive long-term and his condition was terminal. We had decided because of conversations I had with my dad ahead of time that um, I would take care of my dad. I had promised him that I would always take care of him at end of life. My dad had made his wishes very clear. I had my father transported here to North Carolina to uh, be taken into the hospice that I work for. And my mom moved here with me and with my husband, Gary. And I was able to care for my father until he passed away peacefully and comfortably in my home like I promised him. Even though you might, you know, have everything planned out in your head and think, okay, everything's great, mom and dad are here, we're still human. And there are, there can be good days 
and there can be not so great days. My mom has dementia and um, there were days when I was so exhausted and I would have taken care of dad, been working my full-time job remotely and then found that mom in her dementia mine had done things that she felt she was capable of doing but totally wrecked my schedule. I remember one day just kind of being very firm with my mom and kind of losing it and not really demonstrating the fruit of the spirit and being very impatient and and that's also a time when I felt just the sweet good Father, Heavenly Father, just being so patient and kind and speaking to me and reminding me that it was okay and that I was not a failure as a child. I was not a disappointment to him. I was gently carrying my dad as Jesus was gently carrying me. It's been physically and emotionally and spiritually exhausting, but it's been one of the most precious times with my parents ever. If I could give several pieces, maybe more than one piece of advice to people that have parents that they are starting to take care of, um, it would be be in the Word. Pay close attention to yourself like Paul tells Timothy. Make sure that you are allowing the Spirit to transform you so that you can be the person that you need to be for those relationships. It doesn't mean it's easy when these things happen. It's hard, I'm not going to lie. But yet, it's so beautiful and it's so worth it. So worth it. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.